Um, Jonathan Robson, who's uh, some of you know as your pastor. Um, I consider him my pastor at uh, Center Point Church. And he's going to come and speak from uh, Ecclesiastes. But if y'all give uh, Jonathan a hand uh, as he's, he's coming up and welcome him. <laughs> Thanks. Wow. Very nice. Hey, it's really good to be here. Um, I'm, I'm a, a fan of RUF and uh, really happy um, that RUF is here at Florida State, is here in, in Tallahassee because I love this city and I love this campus and I want to, I want this city and this campus uh, to know Jesus and his kingdom and, um, and I believe that he is working through RUF. Uh, to, to make that known. And so uh, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate uh, David and Karen and, uh, and the leadership here. And uh, it's a real privilege to be with you. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I think you have the words there. You can turn if you have a Bible with you. Uh, we're going to be studying this book in the fall at Centerpoint. And, uh, and so if you want to come and study the cynical, depressing book of Ecclesiastes... There's my pitch uh, for you to join us in the fall. Um, it's a strange book, uh, but it is a book that is, that is rich with, with truth um, and truth that points us to Jesus in some surprising ways. And I think we'll be able to see that tonight. So Ecclesiastes chapter 11, uh, verses 1 to 6. Uh, these are the words of God to you. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Let's pray. Father, you are a mighty fortress. You are our refuge. You are our strength. And because of Jesus, your spirit and your gifts belong to us. And they belong to us tonight. And so we come believing that. We come hoping in that. We come desperate for that. Desperate to know the work of your spirit to know the gift of understanding, the gift of transformation by encountering the truth of the word that you have given to us. So would you be a fortress for us? Many in this room sit here with fear, sit here with uncertainty, instability in their lives. And we can feel that uncertainty as we read these words. And so I pray that you would come and make yourself known as our 
comfort, our strength, our fortress. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we, my wife and my family and I moved back to Tallahassee late last summer, uh, many of you know that we spent two years living in Southeast Africa in a small country uh, called Malawi. And one of our favorite places in the city that we lived in, it was a city called Lilongwe, uh, was a place called Santa Plaza. And this place was run by a, a family of, of Pakistanis, and it was Christmas all year round in Africa at Santa, at Santa Plaza. And this was a place you could get and find the most random things in the world. We found and we had to buy it, this poster that you can hang on the wall. And the top of the poster in pastel colors says, Baby's First Words. And then on the poster are pictures of World War II weaponry. So there's tanks and guns and an airplane, fighter airplanes. These are baby's first words, uh, really scary weapons. And so you can find stuff like that there. And at Santa Plaza also uh, was one of our favorite places uh, that we like to refer to as the playground of death. And, uh, and we called it that because this playground had every uh, piece of, of play equipment that has been banned from the United States of America <laughs> because it's unsafe. And it was so great to let our kids go and play on all of this very unsafe playground equipment. And it was one of those cross-cultural experiences, and we had a bunch of them, that really opens up your own culture. And what I realized by going to the playground of death is that in our culture, we are obsessed with safety. We are obsessed with building a wall around our lives to prevent every possible disaster. We have countless laws about seat belts and, and when you have kids, uh, these, uh, these seats that, that the laws get more and more complex where, where I think, I don't know if my kids will ever get out of a booster seat until they're 18 years old. We are obsessed with safety. But what I find interesting is there has been a reaction to that in our culture. There's been a movement of, of people and thinkers and writers who have pushed on our obsession with protecting ourselves from every possible danger. A few years ago, I picked up a book, and I bought it only because of the title. And the title of the book was The Dangerous Book for Boys. And this book was written to try to reteach boys how to be dangerous, how to take risks, how to do stupid things, all right? And I, some of you may know the author Michael Shaban, and he writes a lot about recapturing the wilderness experience, the experience of being in the woods as a kid, as a young person, outside of adult supervision, figuring out life, taking risks. Now, what does this have to do with the book of Ecclesiastes? 
Well, I think the writer of this book, and some people think it's Solomon, and some people aren't so sure about that. We'll just call him the teacher. The teacher in this book, I think, would join the movement that pushes on our obsession with safety. I think we can see in the text in front of us, in these words, a challenge to risk. Words that call us out of our timidity, out of our anxiety, out of our desire to prevent every possible disaster. Words that call us to a life of danger, a life of risk. And so as we look at these words, I want to ask two questions. What and why? Okay? So first of all, what? What kind of risk does the teacher talk about here in Ecclesiastes chapter 11? And we need to start, start with saying, what uh, is he not talking about? When, when he's calling us to risk, when he's calling us to danger, what is he not saying? And he is not calling us to an adrenaline rush. Because some of the, us in this room, we hear risk, we hear danger, and we are like, yes, let's go hunt bears, uh, let's jump off a cliff, Let's buy a motorcycle. Uh, let's do something that will get the adrenaline pumping, right? That is not what Ecclesiastes is talking about. It's not what the teacher is talking about here. And there are, there are three instructions in this passage. Okay, First one in verse 1, uh, he talks about casting your bread on the water. And this is an image of international trade. Uh, this is an image of shipping. Um, so in, in that ancient culture, the way you made contact with other cultures and, and were able to send goods to them and have them send goods back to you was on the water. And so you cast your bread on the water. You sent it in, in hope of some return. Uh, the second commandment in verse 2 uh, talks about giving a portion to seven and, and even to eight. And this seems to be city planning, uh, of leaders of a city um, planning uh, in case of disaster. And so you take, if there are some leftover crops, uh, you take and you spread them around to different places so that if a disaster hits the city, you're you're prepared and uh, you can feed the people of the city. And then the third commandment is in verse 6. Uh, it's just the very simple act of sowing and reaping. So put seed in the ground in hope that it will grow. And I think what links all of these commandments is the idea of investment. They are all actions of doing something now in hope that it will pay off in the future. Something now that will bring benefit in the future, the, the possibility uh, that it might help you or your family or your community in the future. And so the teacher is calling us to risk, and it is the risk not of adrenaline, but of investment. Because investment might pay off, but it might not. B- but investment in what? What are we talking about? What are we What is he saying that we should give ourselves to, that we should invest ourselves in? Well, there's some debate about this uh, because uh, people who make their living 
writing about the Bible, they need to write about something, okay? And so there's a controversy over what's going on uh, here in this passage. And some people say he's talking about commercial business type of things. And so, uh, like, we would compare it to the stock market. You're, you're investing uh, economically uh, in a way that will hopefully uh, pay off in the future. And then some others say, no, he's not talking about uh, commercial and business enterprises. He's talking about what we would call charity work. Uh, so uh, the investment that he's calling us to is to care for the poor is to uh, reach out to those who are in need, to invest in them, to be generous with them so that they will be protected uh, when they find themselves in a vulnerable position. All right, so those are the two schools of thought. That's the debate. Which is it? Uh, well, not wanting to be pretentious uh, or, or squirrely, I want to say both. And I want to say both because the Bible never separates business and charity. The Bible never separates you profiting in a way that doesn't also profit the community around you. And then the second reason I want to say both is because of this image of sowing and reaping. It's a picture that's found throughout Scripture as an image of all sorts of things And it is an image that is used by Jesus himself to describe the work of the kingdom of God. The work of of making happen on earth what is happening in heaven. Of bringing the kingdom of God to this world. Jesus says it is like sowing a seed in hopes of a harvest. And this is what the teacher says is calling us to. He is calling us to a life of investment. And when we put that in the broad context of Scripture, it is a call to give ourselves to the kingdom of God, to give ourselves to activities, to a life that brings glory to God and that brings benefit to the community around us, a life that does not simply create safety, And comfort for ourselves, but brings goodness into our world in a way that honors the God that we worship and serve. So the point here is not to narrow the scope of our activities to business or social work. It is to say all of your life has the potential to be an investment. You have the potential to take the risk of giving yourself to something that matters, of giving yourself to something that displays God's goodness, that is a picture of the gospel, that brings benefit to your community, to the people around you. It is a call to risk yourself for the kingdom of God. Now, some of you, a lot of you have grown up in the church and you hear that and you think, oh, here's the pastor calling me to risk. And what it means to risk is that I become a pastor or even better, that I become a missionary, a cross-cultural missionary. That's That's what it means to risk investing in the kingdom of God. But no, come back to Ecclesiastes. We're talking about business. We're talking about work 
in all its varieties. And one of the things I love about RUF, and I want to add my voice to it, is that if you have a passion for studying and pursuing business, if you have a passion for studying and pursuing psychology, pursuing the arts, uh, pursuing education, that is not separate from the kingdom of God. That holds the same potential of investment that becoming a pastor or becoming a missionary does. So do you see your life this way? Do you see tomorrow this way? As a potential to wake up and not just build up a life that brings support and safety and comfort for yourself, but a life that takes the risk of investment in the community around you, in the people around you, in a field of study that needs people who call Jesus Lord. And can I say this? Will you see your time here at Florida State It is certainly a time to invest in your future. It's a time of education and all of that. And many of you will move on to other places. You won't live your life in Tallahassee. But Tallahassee needs students who aren't just here for themselves, but students who care about this place. Even if they're here a year, two years, three years, four years, Will you see your presence here for however long God has you here as a potential to invest yourself in his kingdom that is at work now, on this campus, in this community? Will you take that risk? Will you hear the call to invest your life in that way? Now why would we do that? is so much easier uh, to come and, and to be a student and to get an education that will provide safety for you, provide the job and the security that you want for the rest of your life. Why would we step out and risk investing ourselves in God's kingdom? Why would we embrace that potential danger. Well, at one level, uh, we could see from the words of the teacher here, um, we do it because it might bring benefit, right? It might pay off. Uh, there might be good things uh, that come for it, and that is, that is definitely here. The potential of success is here, but there's a problem, because right alongside the potential of success is the potential of failure. It is the reality that investing your life might be good and it might not. And in fact, it's almost as if in this text the teacher here wants to make sure to emphasize to us uncertainty. To emphasize the fact that the future And the outcome of the future is not a sufficient motivation to live a life of risk. 
He wants, he, he takes from us a sense of causality. You see, we, wanna, we want that guarantee that if I do this, then it will produce this outcome that I want to see happen. Right? We want that. We want, I come and study and get the right major, smooth sailing for the rest of my life. Good job and all the rest. Right? The teacher will not let us have that. He takes that from us. He disturbs our confidence. He will not let us rest in the certainty that if I do this, this will for sure happen. It's it's frustrating in many ways. He motivates us with our limitations. Look at verse 4 and 5 again. He says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way of the Spirit, the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. You hear him saying, here are all of these things that you can't control. The weather, these events that you do not have the power to manipulate, that you do not have the power to guarantee a certain outcome. And he says, if you live wanting to control that future, then you'll be paralyzed. You won't do anything. And then did you see in verse 5, and if we kept on reading into verse 6, there's this repetition of the phrase, you do not know. You do not know. You do not know. And he goes even so far to say that you do not know the ways of God. You can't even know exactly how God works in the world. It's kind of surprising to find in the Bible, isn't it? If there is any place that we would expect to tell us that we can know the work of God, it would be the Bible, right? And here the teacher reaches and takes that from us. He takes our guarantee of knowledge and control, and he strips it from us. He says you should live a life of risk because of what you can't do and what you can't know. Isn't that frustrating? That's exactly what we don't want. We want the guarantee of a future outcome. The guarantee that if we do this, if we are faithful in our Christian lives, then certain good things will happen to us. That if we work hard, then we have the guarantee of a stable and happy life. And the teacher is the cynic in the corner who laughs at that and says, whatever, you can't know that. You cannot be guaranteed that. What do we do with this? How in the world can this cynicism motivate us to a life of risk? 
How is this in any way inspiring? What, what do we do with the teacher's cynicism? Well, we have to go to the end of the book in chapter 12. And chapter 12 tells us that the words of this, of this book, of the book of Ecclesiastes, are like goads. It's this sharp stick that uh, shepherds and goat herders use, that they would guide the animals with this sharp stick. And this book, these words are like that. They are like sharp sticks. They are, they are painful. Isn't it painful to hear, here is what you can't do and here's what you can't know? They are painful, but their pain pushes us in a direction. And chapter 12 tells us that these painful, disturbing words push us in the direction of the fear of God. The teacher takes away the guarantee of knowledge and control so that we will live a life of trust in the knowledge and control of our God. He forces us to find stability not in what we can do and know, but to find stability in what God can do and know. He drives us to the character of God. He takes us to our limitations to help us see the limitlessness of the God that we worship. Every culture wants to be able to control and predict the future, whether ancient cultures with all sorts of religious practices are modern cultures with our PhDs in economics who are going to tell us what's going to happen in the next five years. Every culture wants that. And the, the wise teacher here reaches in and he takes that away from us so that we will not look to our resources, but so that we will look to God's, that our confidence will not be in our ability, but our confidence will be in his. And in leading us to the fear of God, the book of Ecclesiastes leads us to the gospel. It leads us to Jesus. Because what does the gospel tell us? It tells us, yes, here are all of these things that you cannot know. But what can you know? You can know God through Jesus Christ. You can know His wisdom through faith. You can know the guarantee of His love because of what Jesus has done for you. Being a Christian does not protect us from the uncertainty and instability of life. But it does give us the certain and stable knowledge that God takes everything in our life, our successes and our failures, our pleasure and our pain, and He works it for good.
Christianity does not promise you a safe life. But it gives you the certain and stable knowledge that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is yours in Christ Jesus. As the book of Ecclesiastes teaches us, the world is a chaotic and dangerous place. Life will take a lot of things from you, but it cannot take you away from the certain, lasting, faithful love of God that He has shown to you in Jesus Christ. There's a prayer that I love. It comes from the Anglican tradition and it ends with this phrase. It says, Rejoicing in the fellowship of all the saints, we commend ourselves to the unfailing love of God. That's it. That's the application of this passage. It is given all of the uncertainty of life in the world Commend yourself to the unfailing love of God. We can live a life of risk. We can enter this world, whatever we do, whether studying or volunteering or relating, we can do that in a right confidence. Not Confidence in a particular outcome in the here and now, but confidence in the person. Not confidence in the full knowledge of the future, but confidence in the God who has the full knowledge of the future. And it is that certainty that leads us into a life of risk that leads us to invest ourselves in God's kingdom, the certainty that we belong to the unfailing love of God. I have a friend who's named Bob, and Bob and I have been friends since sixth grade. And in middle school, we were at the very top of the social ladder, so of course we were in the band. Um, And... (laughs) Um, and, and so when we were in eighth grade, uh, the band took a trip to Orlando and it's one of these gimmicky trips that they make you feel important, but it's just a money making deal. And, uh, so we went down to Orlando and we were going to Disney and things like that. And, uh, we were staying in a hotel, which is a, just a bad choice to take eighth graders to a hotel. It's just not good. Um, and so we're there and across the street is a Wendy's. And so, um, our, our group of friends, Bob and I, and, and a bunch of others decided we were going to go and get lunch for ourselves. And, uh, and so we just, we had to walk, we had to cross a street, uh, to get to Wendy's. And, and of course, instead of walking just a few feet up to the crosswalk, and, uh, and the traffic light, we're just going to cross the street uh, directly. And by street, I mean like six-lane, busy highway and, uh, and cars going everywhere. And so we're standing there and waiting for it to clear and, and to cross the road. And all of a sudden, Bob takes off into the road. 
And the reason he took off and none of the rest of us did is because he had not seen what the rest of us had seen. And that, and that was a very large uh, truck barreling down the street uh, at a very high rate of speed. And so Bob run, runs out into uh, the street and he finally sees the truck and he stops and does completely deer in the headlights. He stops like this and he's staring at this truck completely frozen. And, and we are freaking out and yelling and screaming and we thought he was going to die. Um, and, and finally we got his attention and, and got him out of the street and, and saved his life. And, and then we still raided and crossed the street uh, like smart eighth graders. And, um, you know, I think a lot of us can tend to live life and can tend to approach the future like Bob in the street. Where we see the future coming, uh, whether that's graduation or whether that's tomorrow, we see the future coming like it's a Mack truck barreling towards us. We are paralyzed by fear. We are paralyzed by the uncertainty of life. By the fear that we will experience failure and loss and pain. Uh, The fear uh, that we will not be as great as everyone has said we're going to be. The fear uh, that we will be rejected by those who we want to love us. We are frozen. We are paralyzed. And the teacher of Ecclesiastes calls us out of that paralysis. He calls us out of our fear, out of our anxiety to a life of risk. He reveals That we are limited people with limited control and knowledge. And by revealing our limitations, he takes us to God. And to God's limitlessness. And he takes us with all of our fear, with our anxiety, with all of this uncertainty. And he throws us into into the certainty of God's love. Will you give yourself to that? Will you step out and live a a life of risk because of the certainty of who God is for you in Jesus Christ?